Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. All right, so we're started. We're uh, now in class two of our uh, structured study on karma, rebirth, and intentional becoming. Um, Ram led us off on Saturday with an excellent uh, teaching on the Bhava Sutta. Today, this is we're going to be talking about the Loka Sutta. All of these suttas are restored by John to the Buddha's original intent, which is ending ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Loka Sutta. The newly awakened Siddhartha, Gautama now Buddha, was enjoying the peace of release. Established in concentration, he observed the world around him. He noticed human beings aflame with the fires born of the defilements of passion, aversion, and deluded consciousness. Realizing the significance of what he was seeing, he thought, Buddha's words, the world is aflame. Rooted in ignorance, the world is afflicted by sensory contact and perceives suffering as self. Rooted in ignorance, it misunderstands self and becomes anything other than self. Becoming anything other than self, the world clings to becoming, is afflicted by becoming, and yet delights in that very becoming. Where there is delight, there is fear. Where there is fear, there is stress. So this, this first part really corresponds to the Paticca Samapada Vibhanga Sutta on the Buddha's teaching on dependent origination. Um, where he says, rooted in ignorance, the world is afflicted by sensory contact. In dependent origination, from contact comes feeling. From feeling comes craving. From craving comes clinging. From clinging, there is what has come to be, or becoming. Through refined mindfulness, one develops dispassion for what has come to be, as it occurs, as it's occurring in real time. Buddha's words. The life integrated with the Eightfold Path is lived for the abandoning of becoming. Those that say escape from becoming is by non-becoming are never released from becoming, I declare. Stress, dukkha, arises in dependence on becoming self. With the ending of clinging to self and maintaining self, no stress will arise. Look at the world. Human beings afflicted with ignorance crave for and cling to becoming. All forms of becoming, anywhere, in any way, are impermanent, stressful, always subject to change. Knowing this, the arising and the passing away, from right view, 
Craving for becoming and non-becoming is abandoned. John's words. The arising and the passing away refers to all phenomena. All phenomena is impermanent, including the phenomena of self. As the Buddha teaches in the Anattalakana Sutta in the next chapter, now, Buddha's words, now what is impermanent? What is painful and subject to change is not fit to be regarded as this is me, this is I, this is myself. Buddha's words, from the abandonment of craving for becoming and non-becoming comes unbinding. For those unbound from lack of clinging and maintaining, there is no further becoming. They have conquered ignorance, completed the task, and have gone beyond becoming. Becoming a self rooted in ignorance. So, this, that is the end of the sutta. Um, so I just wanted to go back to this because I think this is important. Um, so, stress, dukkha, arises in dependence on becoming self. With the ending of clinging to self and maintaining self, no stress will arise. Look at the world. Human beings afflicted with ignorance crave for and cling to becoming. All forms of becoming anywhere in any way are impermanent, stressful, and subject to change. So let's think about that. Let's go around and, and talk about that in our own lives, in our own experience, what, what that means to you guys. Um, so I'll start with Ron. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just <clears throat> realizing how complex this, this sutta is. Um, because it speaks on becoming on a lot of different levels. Um, and uh, because we're dealing with an English translation, we've got this strange mix-up between becoming the English part and becoming the part that we need to abandon. Um, and I could spend another couple of weeks on on this one. Uh, it there there's a lot to be teased out there, but we see the general thrust of things, how it fits in in dependent origination, and um, how it is something to be abandoned. And once abandoned, it, right here, once abandoned, there is release. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to crack the code, you know, as we're sitting here, but um, the, the beauty of, of dependent origination is that it's so clearly laid out. They are all discrete steps and it's all happening in the mind. <clears throat> but it takes a while to tease out the steps from one to the other. However, once you you got one step
clearly in your mind, then the others will will follow backwards and forwards. Um, that's that's the best thing that I can I can put in here at this point. Um, this is this is deep and intense stuff. It's really important, and it pays to go back to these suttas many times. Uh, and it it takes it took me literally seven eight years before I got a decent grasp on on this particular part of dependent uh, origination. Uh, I haven't spent time with, with uh, let's say, the, the upper part uh, on, on uh, where we're starting from ignorance, going to um, contact feelings, all these things. Those, those are, they're not, they're not hidden. Uh -huh. They're clear. And the Buddha is clear about it. Mm -hmm. uh, this particular one, the coming, uh, I'm not going to say he's not clear about it. He's clear about the consequences <clears throat> and, and, and where and where it sits. Um, but he has a strangely oblique way of getting at it. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll get there. Thank you, Alan. Yeah, I, I think it's it's important to to come back to this, study this, remember this, practice this, memorize this. But this is really where is where is becoming happening? Where is all of this starting? Right here, right now, on contact. From contact comes feeling. From feeling comes craving. From craving comes clinging, from clinging comes what has come to be. That's your karma. That's your karma. So what has come to be is dependent on a couple of things. You know? And not as an intellectual exercise, actually as what's happening. And and that part of that is when there is samadhi or stability of mind established through right meditation, then upon contact, one is well restrained. Feelings arise. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not who I am. In the absence of right meditation, in the absence of samadhi, in the absence of stability of mind, the habits of attention move towards the establishment of wrong views of self. When what has come to be is perceived as good, then there's delight. When what has come to be is perceived as disappointing, then there's stress. So this is, this is happening all the time, on our cushion, in the world, with each other, with our own thoughts and feelings. So there was a couple things in there that we just heard. We heard, we heard 
establishment of wrong views of self. That implies there's right view. We heard establishment of samadhi or stability of mind through right meditation. So we're, we're referencing the Eightfold Path. We're referencing the Eightfold Path, a practice that is leading to the cessation of becoming, becoming further ignorant. So, you know, what has come to be is, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. I'm not stirred by feeling. I'm not inflamed with the fires of passion for what comes up in my mind. So, as we talked about in, in the last, the Dhammapada structure study, in the Brahmanavaga, the last one, the, the Arahant is one who is well restrained. Where? At the point of contact. Julia. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, thank you for the teaching. Um, I have a little thing. I'll, I'll try. I'll try not to read it as much, but I'll. I have to spread away. <laughs> sure. Um, I think that Ram one time. I think when we were on a retreat, he said. I think this was Ram that said it, that becoming was the movement of the mind. Mm -hmm. I really like that because I kind of made it very clear for me. So um, I, wrote, I wrote this little thing about, based on that. I said, becoming is the movement of like the mind of thought. If your mind dwells in the past, this is clinging. Your mind is dwelling in the future, this is craving. Anytime you are not present, you're becoming. We need to be dispassionately present using wise restraint so that in the present moment, the phenomena we are experiencing presently is not personal. It is not me, it's not mine, it's not who I am. This, this passion comes from jhana, practice. It is in the present moment that we have control from becoming further ignorant. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Michael? I, I feel like I understood it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Michael. Oh, thank you, Mom. <laughs> I look at this as um, becoming is every every moment spent in the not self, or it's a non-recognition of the not self, recognition of what we are not enables us to halt that second arrow from piercing our. So I'll go back to this. I go back to this every time. Like in my day, uh, I would imagine like most of us or all of us will probably have the same experiences where when we find ourselves, our quality of mind may be suffering. Sometimes we don't even know what our quality of mind is suffering from, do we? Right? But you know, anytime that occurs, then I just say to myself, well. What is causing this this not good feeling, so to say, or this, this my quality of mind just doesn't seem right? And then, like, I realize that like I'm either clinging to or craving 
might not just be immediately there, but it's it's deep seated within me. Mm -hmm. So I recognize, or I try to recognize that, and I restrain myself mm -hmm. from going further. <clears throat> second arrow, second contact. I restrain myself from that, and then I try to release myself from that, which causes pain and suffering, and that is the not self. So. In that way, there's a little space be created between what the self actually is and what it's not. In that gap forms the dispassion. That comes through practice, uh, you know, recognition and wise restraint. The practice of recognition and wise restraint. So it still becomes, so that space can be created. So that's the way I see that. Um, and obviously, like, uh, you know, John mentions the uh, feedback loop here, okay? The feedback loop upon contact, uh, can we actually, can almost, uh, call, you know, uh, going back to the, uh, the super one, um, the, uh, what is it? No, no, which one? 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 The alluring drawback of sensuality, mm. right? So, Sensuality is everything is, is contact. Everything our sense is contact. You know, whatever causes feelings to arise, you know, it's 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 affecting our our senses. We're going to interpret 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 it there. So it comes right right back to that to like okay, recognizing the allure of sensuality in the world, and then actually understanding the drawback of it, the drawback of that sensuality is continued stress becoming. and suffering, yeah. becoming, okay? So unless, and we all know, and we've, we've spoken about this many times here, it's just like our attachment, our all-in on everything that's occurring in our world, and and being affected by that is, is our not recognizing uh, Again, the not-self. We can end it there by we can end by becoming in the present moment by recognizing what who and what we are in that present moment. I, I agree, and I would even say maybe more is recognizing what we're not. Yes. This is not me. This is not mine. This is not what I am. You can only know that. First, recognizing that you're ignorant of the yeah. truth, yeah. and that's what your practice is overlaying that inner information. Yeah. That gives you the mindfulness to, as you say, recognize. You cannot recognize without the practice. Right. Right, and that again points us back to, you know, right meditation, and developing samadhi, and developing stability of mind so that. We're not distracted by the pretty lights that are always coming up to uh, just what, the, and the just what's occurring. Right. Yeah. Just what's occurring. <clears throat> Thanks, Michael. Brett? Just what's occurring. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's just what's occurring 
and not to get attached to it. Like, uh, I get some shit up, some stuff coming up today, <laughs> and uh, some family baggage that you know I don't want to really be part of. And uh, it's not even in my immediate family. It's been I'm just like, wow, really? And uh, and it's intense, and I'm just like, wow, I don't really want to be part of it, and um, I'm not sure how to handle it. This is what's come to be. Right? This is what's come to be. In your mind, in your life, in your now. Right? Right. Oh, come, this is what has become. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, you know, instead of it's just what's occurring and not to be attached to it. Well, that is what's occurring. That is what's occurring. What's come to be is is what's occurring. Can I dispassionately hang out with it as it's occurring? Right. Or or do I go towards my preferences into? I'm craving it to be different. Yes. It? Yes. Instead of just being what's occurring, what's coming up. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'm. I'm like this is. I'm like where where where's the way out of this? Where's the way out? I, don't know, I want a way out. And I'm just like, you know, phone call, call somebody. It's not helping. So it's like, all right, you're, it's, it's just what's occurring. It's just what's here. Uh, not really anything to do with me, but, uh, you know, just what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and looking for a way out is that other aspect of craving. You're going going somewhere. Yeah, Yeah, it's craving. You want to go somewhere. Right, it's craving for it to be different. Right. And and then you're fleeing, trying to flee a situation, which then makes it worse. Right. So I just have to apply some already, already still, you know, already practiced techniques. Yeah. Yeah. Dispassion and love to be skillful versus rash and, you know, John said it, anger is to be seeked. You know, unskillful is to be seeked. So, we're we're being skillful. It may not bring up the answer you want, but it doesn't bring any stress. Right. And it's just, you know, by realizing what's coming up and being right mindful or being right mindfulness or restraint at the point of contact and realizing what's happening that's when you can kind of let it go when it starts right what's what's coming up is disappointment what's it's disappointing it's right it's you know that's what's come to be now the quality of my mind is disappointed right now do I become further ignorant through looking for a way to get rid of it? Right. Fix it, solve it, change it, get rid of it? Mm-hmm. Or can I accept the quality of my mind as it's occurring, mm-hmm. recognize the quality of my mind, recognize what's there, and then when it's gone, recognize that it's not there anymore. So this is that that way. There's there's all forms of becoming anywhere in any way. Buddha's words are impermanent, stressful, and always subject to change. As soon as I, as soon as what's comes to be in my mind, now I need to be different. I'm gonna. 
suffer stress. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to also recognize too that others they don't have the same knowledge that you have. You know, they don't they don't know about the formable truths. They don't they don't know the path. You know, mm -hmm. the eightfold path. So you recognize that you recognize their ignorance. Have compassion for that that they do have that. But you you. You have the knowledge. You can use wise restraint. You know, you you can you can control yourself. You know, right. it may it may be different, and not take it personal. Whatever is going on or mm -hmm. whatever is being said, you know, I, it's yeah. difficult. But I've yeah. been trying very hard myself to practice that. It, it is difficult, but it does work. It you does. Know, it does help. It does. Three marks of detachment. Yes, understanding that you can see in others. You know, yeah, and you know that's. That's one of the habits of attention is to is to is to need whatever is occurring to be different than it is, you know, and it's difficult at this time because everyone has their traditions that are clinging. <laughs> Yeah. Clinging to all these things, you know, and so that's why it makes it even harder. Totally. This is a totally clinging time of the year. People want it to be just the way they want it to be. And so that's that's what makes it even more hard, and that's why we have to even more restraint it in ourselves, you know. Yeah. So I would ask, you know, what what is what is being restrained? What what is what are we restraining at the point of contact in this way, Brett, specifically? Uh, probably not wanting to feel a certain way. Yeah. A, a, a thousand different... Yeah. Overreacting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or reacting too strongly, I guess that's mm -hmm. the same thing, yeah. but in one direction or the other, or wanting, to, wanting the outcome to be different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as your mindfulness deepens and becomes more refined, the subtleness of restraint becomes just what you're becoming. You're becoming a wise practitioner of understanding the form of the truths and the mindfulness. And that's a natural process. And at first it may seem very abrupt and very knee jerkish, but then it just <clears throat> this, the Buddha is giving you these lessons of sit twice a day and deepen your concentration so therefore you can be mindful. Uh, I'll go, go down one. Thanks, Brett. Thanks. <laughs> Laura. Okay. Hi. Yeah. Um, thank you, David, for that. Uh, what you just said because it is very difficult because even though I'm, everything in nature shows me that it's like impermanent when I look at the natural world but humans for some absurd reason we cling to things and want resolution um, like Brett said if there's like a family conflict or whatever and I always thought like karma was supposed to be a good thing but I'm glad we're doing this study and like when you read this chapter on karma and rebirth, John says right here, 
that even like altruistic or compassionate actions taken without wisdom can generate further karmic entanglements. So karma is just you're perpetuating stress. And for me, that was really poignant because I've been struggling with this, that it can be very subtle and difficult to recognize. Like your intention might be very good and you might think it's compassion, but it's really not. I mean, you're just generating more karma, more stress, because you're not framing your actions through the Eightfold Path, or you're not practicing jhana, like David was saying. So, Yeah, thank you. Yeah. That's right, and just like we said, when, when what has come to be is perceived as good, then when what has come to be is perceived as disappointing, got to fix it, solve it, change it, get rid of it. Even if it's good. Even if it's good. You want to do something. It's got to be better. Yeah, exactly. And I want more. Exactly. Now God's going to go away. Yeah, right. Exactly. Never not be good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I feel like I've come across a lot of points of contact recently. Like everybody has, so that it sounds like it's a hyperactive time out there. Um, and just kind of coming here and seeing those little arrows it has like this desensitizing feeling to the things I come in contact with. Um, which I'm not sure if that's a good word to describe it, but it does feel like it makes it I'm more personal. sensitive, but mm -hmm. to the, the, another side of something, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right? Like um, attaching those feelings and mm -hmm. really being aware of my reactions. Yeah. Whether I have them or not, but afterwards being able to look back and be like, okay, how could have I done that differently, or how will I look at it next time? Yeah. And really giving up control. Right. You really don't have any. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and and that you know, that process of giving up control of what has come to be. If we don't have control, then what do we have? We have the Eightfold Path. We have a path of practice that releases control through understanding. Dustin? Yeah, I think what Nina's saying too, like that feeling of dispassion is sort of like feels like freedom from stress you know when you really let go of like what Brett was saying like that wanting to get away you know that feedback loop and actually when you accept something it kind of like you get what you kind of desire that peace you know that that's really what you want but to me it feels like with this what you're reading the, the becoming and all of that I just keep feeling like we were born with this really powerful mind. Mm -hmm. And like, 
we were ignorant. Like, we didn't know how to drive it. You know, like this avatar is given to us and we have no instruction. And so this feels like we're utilizing the mind in the right way, you know, like we're, we're realizing the power of it and how to restrain it and how to like actually live. Because when you see people who are stressed out, they don't look good. They just look like their energy is all distorted. So it feels like this karma thing is like constantly trying to wake you up so that you can live a life where you may not be so distorted in, in your stress, you know, like, so that's what I keep seeing, almost like this is a blueprint, like Nina was saying, you look up here and it's almost like, wow, like this is like a blueprint of how to drive this mind mm -hmm. that exactly is so is. powerful, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. It's also a recognition of the uh, first noble truth, mm -hmm. yeah. which is as a, ignorance is a consequence of our existence. So actually what you're doing is recognizing your ignorance there. Yeah. Yeah. But also the tool that like is so, we're just learning, we're just beginning to understand how powerful, it is. it's already powerful, it's already there completely, like every moment you have the opportunity to utilize this gift or continue to be ignorant. Yeah, yeah, and and it's, it's, it's really, there's a lot of layers to that, to what you just said. There's a lot of layers to that. And... When, when, just just back to that. When we perceive what has come to be as something that's good or pleasure or any, then we're gonna we're gonna go towards it. We're gonna. It's me. It's mine. It's who I am. And when we when we encounter something that is disappointing, we're gonna go away from it. We're gonna reject it. We're, there's gonna be aversion. And both of those directions are becoming. So then, the middle way. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is the desire for nothing to be different than what it is. Dispassionate. But along the way, you're sort of rooting out wrong view, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like I had a view when I met you that I, I something was always wrong with me. Yeah. So I was constantly searching for something, the right word or the right book or the right phrase that would change me. And that desire to that something was wrong with me and to wanting to fix it created all my suffering. Yeah. So when I realized that I had this view about myself that I was broken, it like I was able to change it by just becoming aware of it. Yeah. And that amount of suffering just is no longer with me. Yeah. So that's like yeah. Like I found a Easter egg or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the golden egg. The golden egg. The golden <laughs> you finally found it. <laughs> and I keep finding it along the way. Yeah. Oh, that's more wrong view about my, you know? Yeah. It's like an un it's like once you uncover it's like exponential, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. So it's almost like that what we were talking about when you feel yourself wanting to move away from a feeling or something, it's almost like there's the gift, like there's something there to explore. Yes, and and in in a dispassionate way. Yeah. In that this is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. This feeling that has arisen on contact. Just what's occurring. It's just what's occurring. There's nothing personal about it. 
you know? And it's, it'll pass away on its own. I don't need to get rid of it. I don't need to fix it. I don't need to solve it. I don't need to change it. David? I thought of something what Nina said. We don't have control over it. And I think of it more like just understanding that this feeling, you can't change that feeling. It's, it's empty. There's an emptiness of these things that you attach to. And the Buddha said that, you know, this, can you feel anything more than what you're feeling right now? Can you change that feeling? Can you change this form? Do you have control over this form? And you don't. You don't have domain over these aggregates. And that's what this practice is bringing you to the middle of equanimity, that it just is. And that's, if listen to dust, and you, you can see that that's where you're heading all the time. And of course, you're going to not always be there while you're still not awakened, but it's, it's the path that gives you that relief along the way. So thank you. Thank you, David. Go online. Brian, let's, let's hear from you, my friend. Yeah, I um, I keep going back to this one line, stress or dukkha arises in dependence on becoming self, and self is in quotes, which in my head I saw not self or anatta, right? So dukkha always arises with anatta because they're two sides of the same coin, because anatta is not permanent, it will always be suffering, it'll always be unsatisfactory. And so having gradually started to come to that realization, it's, it's easier or, or I've got more affinity towards that dispassion for the in the moment abandonment of things. And it, it's just become easier. It's like, oh, it's just ego, right? The only thing that's hurt here or the only thing that's feeling really good right now is ego and ego isn't real. And it becomes just so much easier to, to drop and come back to the moment and move forward. I you know, was sitting here last night wanting a piece of cake and just playing the Saturday class back in my head about becoming, and just watching that that flow. It's like, nah, I, the only thing that needs that is the ego. I don't I don't need that. I just, you know, shut it down and go to bed. So it's cool stuff. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Personally, I would eat that piece of cake. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Everybody in here would have taken the cake. Sensory pleasure, my friends. Only when you attach to it. Jeff. It attaches to me, Michael. That's the problem. Of course it does. Of course it does. Can't be us. You gotta remember, don't bite the hook. <laughs> right. right. Just like the second arrow, there's all the yeah. second piece of cake. That's right. <laughs> the first arrow, hey. <laughs> That's just the world. It was in front of me. The, the first piece of cake is the second arrow. Okay. That's why we're doing that. <laughs> right. right. Jeff? 
I, I find it really hard not to be occasionally distracted when you're walking through the world that's on fire. It's, it's, it, I find it also helpful to, to remember that it's pretty much always been that way. It's not like some emerging crisis or something new. It's always been this way in one shape or another or one form. And that you you really aren't going to be able to fix it. You can't. That's what it is. Um, and that the only thing you can work on is maintaining your concentration on mindfulness on the eightfold path and focus your intentions because that's the only thing you really have control over and that's what results in your own experience yeah jeff and that's and that's it that that intention to recognize and abandon craving and clinging I think for me personally, I find that intentional abandonment is almost refocusing on the issue that I find more satisfaction in concentration on mindfulness uh, on the Eightfold Path as opposed to problems in the world yeah thank you yeah I mean it's the world is the world it's it's our it's our reaction to the world that is the problem thank you Jeff Shay welcome Thanks. It's a wonderful uh, discussion. Um, the way I understand these teachings, I look at it from a sort of two-pronged approach in a sense. The 12-step cycle of dependent origination, uh, which results in samsara, is like a hamster wheel, I would imagine. And we're just running around if we continue uh, on this. And to stop it, one has to get off the wheel. And how do we get off the wheel? We have to break that cycle, and that cycle is through the formation, uh, through contact, and then consciousness, and becoming, and then birth, etc. So that's one way of that I understand how uh, dependent origination as the foundation of samsara is so uh, powerful, and how do we break that? Then, as a human being, as a person, as a, a, a self, what is that self? And, um, you know, we exist from moment to moment, however you define that, whether it's breath, part of a breath, whatever. And in each moment, there's an arising of the five aggregates. And so, in a... Uh, How can I best put this? So those, those aggregates create this um, impermanent sense 
of a self. And um, for myself, as I practice and through the deepening of concentration and the refinement of mindfulness, it's as soon as the I arises in my mind that I have to immediately let go to prevent that becoming. Now that is extremely hard to do that in every single moment and all of the time. So um, that's the way I understand these teachings of dependent origination and um, you know the teaching of five aggregates and uh, arising, passing, and tanha and fire, craving, etc. Thank you, Shay. That's that's excellent. And and in that way, something that John always says is is that continuity obscures impermanence, and that the moment by moment establishment of anatta or or self slash not self in this in this instance is is obscured by impermanence it's actually it's actually going like this and going away this and going away this at the point of contact this is not me this is not mine this is not who i am it goes away oh there it arises again from thought, from feeling, from any of those things. The Arhant is well restrained. This is not me, this is not mine, this is not who I am. It goes away. So the the continuity of, of this arising, anatta arising all the time and passing away, makes it seem that it is permanent. Here I am. This is this is me. This is this is who I am. I like this, I don't like that. But in the in the Dhatuvabhanga Sutta, on the, the Buddhist teaching on six properties, what a what a self is, what a person is, is six properties. The earth property, the fire property, the wind property, the space property, the liquid property, the consciousness property. These there is no permanent self there. Each of those properties are arising and passing away. What the five clinging aggregates are is the sort of psychophysical amalgamation of these six properties and anatta that has clung them together. When, when they're not clinging, the aggregates are just dispassionate points of reference. Does that make sense, Shane? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Jane, how are you, my friend? I'm well, thank you. Um, I appreciate everything everybody said. It was, I thought it was a really great discussion. Um, I want to stress the payoff. Um, before I started my practice, I mean, I was a very, I would describe myself as extremely stressed. And um, as my practice deepens and I'm able to um, accept my life as it occurs and just live my life. Um, I've noticed a dramatic decrease in my stress. And um, I just don't, I don't rock around with that, you know, feeling like I got kicked in the stomach or waiting for the next shoe to drop. And it's, I don't feel, I mean, I've changed. And um, so I'm hoping if I continue, when, as I continue to practice, that it'll get, you know, you notice even a more 
dramatic effect, but um, I just don't feel like the same person I did before I started the practice. So there, there's a payoff. It works. <laughs> so thank you. Excellent. Thank you, Jane. Uh, Devlin, you're welcome to uh, unmute yourself if you like. Oh, uh, thanks, Matt. I'm just going to be observing silently for today. Thank you. Thank you for being here. John, how are you, my friend? I am doing well. Thank you. Everybody has said absolutely wonderful things tonight. And I don't think I have really anything to add other than, you know, uh, I see this particular, the teaching tonight, as everyone has said in some respect or another, the, the development of the non-becoming of self. Um, every day, uh, my mind is like a, uh, a boiling pot of stress and feelings, good or bad. And I'm beginning to realize that these are all just really just fabrications of you know, the uh, dependent origination, um, conditioned thinking is a big part of it. Our society is a big part of it, but it is not me. But every day, if you allow it and permit it, my mind will continue to develop and be that boiling pot of constantly becoming a self. Whereas the idea here is to be non-becoming of self, to step away from that boiling pot, look at the pot boiling, see the flame, but be dispassionate to it uh, through the meditation techniques, through the Eightfold Path. And, and, and that's just, um, that's not easy to do, but I can recognize it in myself and I can recognize the stress at least. And um, that, that's what I got out of, plus everybody said wonderful things. I just want to thank everybody. Thank you, John. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, uh, an excellent understanding of the first noble truth is that when we see that there's the pot, there's the fire, there's all those yeah. things, that's, that's the world. And as a consequence of human life, there is stress. The Buddha taught an eightfold path so that we can understand our contribution to that stress through craving and clinging. That's how we contribute to our stress. That's and this how... is the craving season. It is. There's not a se there's not there's not a season that isn't. Yeah, but there's a little extra in two weeks. That's true. But it's uh, it's fascinating stuff. It's um, uh, everybody said wonderful things. I repeat myself too often. So uh, thank you. Thank you, John. Excellent. Um, all right. Thanks, everybody, um, for a wonderful class. That was really great. Um, Shay, have you have you come to class before? Is this the first class you've been to? No, I came um, to John's uh, live stream um, yeah, uh, class on uh, Saturday, right? Excellent. So that, that was the first one. Cool. Well, welcome again. Nice to meet you, and I'll see you again for sure here, uh, hopefully. And uh, we're going to end, as we always do, with Metta, the Buddha's words on Metta. Um, so find your relaxed meditation posture.
And these are the Buddha's words on metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later approve. Wherever living beings there may be, may all beings be at ease. Whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born. Let them not deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, Free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class. See you guys soon. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.